Welcome to another episode of Who Says No. I am one of your hosts, Sam Quinn. And Colin, we are coming off of a somber podcast yesterday in which we talked about the Jamal Murray injury and we lamented it and we said that we really hope that our next podcast would be a bit more cheerful. And sadly, that is not the news today. As we are talking about a surprise retirement, LaMarcus Aldridge has retired from the NBA due to an irregular heartbeat. The bad news just continues. He's 35. He's had a great career, but obviously this is out of the blue. He had just signed with the Nets and frankly, like against what I thought was going to happen, looked quite good there. It seemed like he was going to help them. Colin, first of all, Colin, I need to introduce you. I can't just call you Colin, or maybe I can because now our listeners are so familiar with you. Colin Ward-Henninger, say hi. How are you doing? You know, it could be Colin Kaepernick, could be Colin Firth, could be, you know, there's a whole no, a whole okay. bunch of us in the Hypothetical world. Hypothetical here, say I were to have another Colin on this podcast that wasn't you, who would your first guest be as to who that Colin would be? Uh, Colin Farrell, just tremendous Irish actor really? and one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, The Lobster. Well, first of all, we got to talk about The Lobster sometime. That is a great movie. <laughs> Nobody's seen it. No. Second... I, we're sticking to the Irish family, like Quinn Farrell. I think we, we, we'd get along. I'm part Irish I, as well. Are there any NBA players named Colin? None that I can think of. Uh, you can't think of him? Come on, man. He's, uh, he's, he's one of the best, young, most exciting guards in the NBA. Oh, but here's why I didn't think of it. Cause I know. Two L's. Yeah, That's two L's. We don't really so count then, him. Right, so like, how much of a Colin <laughs> is he? He's kind of a fraudulent Colin. Yeah, I, I there's Darren Collison, which is kind of like Colin, but yeah, I, that, I that's even more of a stretch. Yeah. But anyway, you as you mentioned, um, I wish we were here under better circumstances. We kind of swore that the next podcast was going to be a little more upbeat, and in fact, it's not. Well, I guess it, it could be by the end, because ultimately we're celebrating the man's career. Um, you always want to see a player go out on his own terms and not be forced out due to the medical issues. So. It's a huge bummer for LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, you know, he was actually playing pretty well for the for the Nets and after looking kind of washed up in San Antonio. So uh, you hate to see it. It seems like, you know, he's kind of come to peace with the decision and uh, obviously doing what's best for himself and his family and his health. So uh, you really can't can't fault the guy. And he's had a tremendous career. Well, I think a good starting point here, like before we talk about his legacy and his impact on the game, which we'll get to, is how he looked for the Nets, which was quite good. I mean, I'll be honest, I came on this podcast and I said I didn't think he was going to be helpful. And frankly, I thought beforehand there was good reason to believe he was going to hurt them, right? Like inefficient mid-range jumpers are not a good option when you have James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, not a good defender in San Antonio. He had blown away my expectations in his first few games with the Nets, but sadly, he's not going to move forward. Like, let's start there. Like, what are the Nets thinking right now? What are they going to do? Yeah, I think, you know, I was kind of in the same boat as you We can roll, roll back and listen to our podcast about the uh, Aldridge signing uh, before. I think we both kind of found him a little bit kind of redundant in terms of them having, you know, uh, Nick Claxton was really emerging as a big man. They signed Blake Griffin. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan has his limitations, but he kind of does some things. And then they had, you know, Jeff Green at center, which has been a really good lineup for them. Uh, but Aldridge played really well. And I think right now, if you're the Nets, uh, looking up and down your roster and seeing guys missing games and your, you know, your three main guys haven't really played a ton together. Uh, I don't think they would have been 
too upset with having LaMarcus Aldridge as kind of a reliable guy to to throw into the mix if and when these guys were going to be out. So, um, you know, come playoff time, maybe he wouldn't have made that big of an impact. Um, but in terms of getting through the regular season and kind of having a guy you can count on, uh, they're probably going to miss Aldridge uh, probably a little bit more than you would have expected when they first signed him. Well, the injuries are really important. After last night's game against Philly, their shot at the number one seed is significantly lower. I believe basketball reference has it at 13%. But given all of the games that Harden is still going to miss, that you would presume Durant and Irving are going to miss, if they were going to get the number one seed, it was probably going to have to come down to like one or two games where LaMarcus Aldridge just scored 25 and lifted them up when they were otherwise going to lose. Now that's gone, right? Like Brooklyn still has plenty of guys that can do that. Like, you might get a Joe Harris big night that lifts you with two of your stars out. You might get a big Blake Griffin night, whoever it's going to be. Like, Brooklyn is not lacking for talent, but if they were going to have any shot at the number one seed and they were going to keep resting their players, like, yeah, I think presuming that Aldridge was going to be there and play as well as he had before, him having one or two big games was probably their best shot at the number one seed. This hurts them there now more than anything. Like, I don't think Aldridge was going to make a huge difference in the playoffs, but now we should probably assume that they're going to have to play Milwaukee in round two and then play a game seven on the road against Philly if it goes seven in the conference finals. Like Now I, I feel pretty comfortable saying without with the depth that they've lost, they're going to be the two seed. And I think that's the big impact here. Not that that was really in doubt, but I think this is more of a regular season issue than a playoff issue. Yeah, and as you mentioned, I mean, now more than ever in this year's Eastern Conference, uh, you know, getting that top seed is a huge deal because then you, you know, avoid having to play the Bucks in the second round. And then you're looking at, you know, anyone of Atlanta, Boston, the Knicks, Miami, Charlotte, like that whole mix as playing them instead. So um, I think it's an important distinction to make that, that, you know, a lot of people, it's like, you know, oh, who cares what seed you get? But this particular Eastern Conference, it does seem well, to be. You want to hear a feel. stat? I love stats. What kind of stat you got? Over the last two years, Philly is 52 and 9 at home and 29 and 38 on the road. I think playing on the road against the Sixers matters quite a bit. They have lost four games in Philadelphia over the past two seasons with Joel Embiid on the floor. Four yeah. games. And, and in, in three of those, they started booing their own team. Well, that's just the natural way of things in Philly. And by the way, when they play the Nets, like there's a good chance that the Nets just show up for game one of that series and blow the doors off them. And we just think, wow, it's over. And the fans agree. But yeah, the number one seed means more this year than ever. The Nets probably aren't going to have it. They're still the Eastern Conference favorites, but I don't know. They've probably gone from a team with like an 80% chance of winning the East to 60-70. Like this is a meaningful drop. And then when you get to the playoffs, I think the real advantage of having Aldridge wasn't that he was going to play 30 minutes every night. It was that in certain matchups, he was going to be pretty useful, right? Like he's not a great defender on the perimeter, but he's pretty sturdy. That would have been useful against Joel Embiid. The fact that he can stretch the floor would have helped pull Joel Embiid away from the basket. Like there would have been some matchups where Aldridge was really important. There would have been others where he couldn't play. But I think the idea of Brooklyn's midseason moves were, Let's get as many different kinds of bigs as we can, and that way we're ready for whatever the postseason throws at us. Now they have one fewer. They don't really have that knockdown shooting big, unless you think it's going to be Blake Griffin. Yeah, another kind of another tool taken out of the tool shed. And, and Griffin, you know, he can do those things, but he's certainly a very, very different player than Aldridge. And 
you know, um, Aldridge is just kind of bigger. Like, I don't know if their heights are that much different, but Aldridge seems like a much more imposing presence in terms of actually being like a big person. Um, I think of Blake as more, I know he's tall, but you think of more of like a, a, a four, three, four, and I could definitely see Aldridge as like an actual five. But I mean, I, you know, we talked about it offline a little bit, but the timing here is also an issue just because they can't really replace Aldridge now because of, you know, uh, the buyout rules and all that stuff. So, I mean, if they're looking just to, to clarify on that, yeah. by the way, any player that has not been bought out by April 9th is not eligible to play in the playoffs for a new team. So in theory, somebody could still get bought out and they could still sign that guy. The issue is that guy would only be able to play for them in the regular season. If they want somebody who can play in the playoffs, they have to sign somebody who hasn't been on a roster this season. And when you start to look at that list, you realize these guys haven't been on a roster for a reason. What kind of, who, what kind of names do you see on that list, Sam? I think we can both agree that the funniest possible name is Kyle Korver. I mean, that's the name that you talk yourself into, right? Like, they wanted to get J.J. Redick, and Dallas swooped in at the last second and traded for him. Kyle Korver is not – I mean, J.J. is not an elite athlete at this point by any stretch. Kyle Korver is, let's say, a step below that, but – He's never won a title. Like, I don't know. Maybe he's interested in coming off the bench, giving them some spot shooting. What about I Jamal don't think Crawford. Kyle Korver is, is really equipped. List? Well, of course, Jamal Crawford. Wasn't he on the team in the bubble last year? <laughs> was he? he? Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. I and think he, he got, was. He got hurt, like, immediately, right? Yeah, so, like, I mean, we, what we know about Kevin Durant is more than anything. He respects true hoopers, and Jamal Crawford is a true hooper. So, like, that's the sort of guy. Michael Beasley, maybe, is even on NBA roster. We know he and Durant are super tight. You had me laughing at Lance Stevenson when you mentioned that earlier. Lance, well, I just, the NBA is a better place when Lance Stevenson is in it. I'd love it if he was in Like, realistically, it's probably going to be someone we're not thinking of, or it's going to be somebody that has some sort of connection to the guys in the roster. Like, Durant's really good friends with Quinn Cook. Maybe it'll be Quinn Cook. Like, I, I, I amend my statement that Corver would be the funniest. The real funniest would be Leangelo Ball. Can I make oh. the argument, by the way? <laughs> Do you have a case? Let's hear it. I have a legitimate case. If Brooklyn doesn't care about the number one seed, which they might not, like it doesn't seem like that really bothers them much. If they want to distract the media from talking about Harden's injury, Durant missing a back-to-back, whatever it is that Kyrie is up to in a given week. like Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport. Like if you just want to distract from all that stuff, sign Leandro Ball to a 10-day, and that's all the media is going to care about. Like, will we talk about Kevin Durant once in that week, in, the, in that 10 days, if he signs that deal? No way. We're going to talk about Leangelo Ball. And by the way, sign him for the full season, you win the title. Leangelo will be the first NBA champion of the Ball family. And we would be live blogging every single Leangelo Ball game. Okay, well, this is a little inside baseball. On CBS Sports, we live blog big games. Just knowing how traffic works, we would live blog every Leangelo Ball game. And he probably wouldn't really see the floor, right? They'd sign him into 15th man. So it would just be wasted effort on our part, but we'd be doing it and other sites would be too. I have noticed that, you know, Steve Nash tends to uh, raise the white flag kind of early this season. I've been watching a lot of their games where it's like within like, like most of the time the kind of rule of thumb is like if it's within 20, you kind of bring your starters back in. Uh, I've seen him like, like 12, 10, like eight. And then he's just like, nah, we're good with the bench. But I've also seen the bench come back several times, like it did the other night against Philly, for example. Like, not necessarily win, but make it a lot closer. And then the reverse of that, you know what Brooklyn is the king of this season, is being up like 14 with six minutes left 
and you feel like, oh, okay, I can turn this game off. And then you check GameCast with like a minute and a half left. It's like, wait, the Nets are up three? What happened? <laughs> you turn back to the game, and as soon as you do, oh, Harden's at the free throw line four times and the lead's back up to seven. Right. Like if you never if you never looked at the GameCast, you would have never known that it was close. It just would have the same margin of victory. They're the kings of almost blowing leads, but not actually blowing. The sign of a good team, right? Every NBA team's got a run in them, and it's a matter of how you respond. But we have gotten uh, way off topic here. Oh, we're talking about the Nets still close. Okay, enough. we got to talk about Aldridge though. Point is, this hurts them in the playoffs and the regular season. We don't think they're going to add anybody, at least anybody of note. The more interesting conversation here is Lamarcus Aldridge's legacy. A big conversation that at least we had in Slack today that's been going on on Twitter is: I'll start with the basic question: Is he a Hall of Famer? So my my gut is yes. Um, just well, during, everybody's in the Hall of Fame. We're going right. to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Well, that's yeah, and then again, that's the. Do you the think we're going to get slope. in as contributors or as media? Uh, I'm going to get in as a ref. I've, I haven't told you. I've oh, been going okay. to school, night classes. I'm ready to go. Well, I, the I can bar's do- pretty low. There isn't like <laughs> I don't know, like Bennett Salvatore in the Hall of Fame as a ref. Oh, he should. <laughs> there be. is for a that, Hall of Fame for that, for that hair alone, man. He's got yeah. the salt and pepper going. But yeah, I think uh, I'm get in as a contributor. I don't know what I'm going to contribute, but I think I'm going to come up with something and get in. Aldridge, seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA. Um, I think his All-Star appearances mean a little bit more than some of the others, just because he was in the West uh, for his whole career, which is well until Brooklyn, which is uh, a big deal. Um, I was looking through at other seven-time All-Stars who weren't in the Hall of Fame. There's only two. One is named. One. Do, do you know one? Who? Chris Webber is one, right? He's He made seven All-Star I, teams, right? I don't think he... I didn't see him on my list unless I am really, really bad at research, but let well, me no, check. He might have just made six. Might have been the injuries then. Yeah. Who are your two? Uh, I was wondering if you could guess. You might be... You could definitely guess one. One you definitely are not going to guess. Um. Okay, seven time. Are we just talking forwards or are they... No, are all, any, any player. Any player. Wow, this is tough. Seven time All-Star. If you don't... I didn't mean to put... Oh, Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh is an 11-time All-Star. He's not in yet, but I think I would. I think you would agree. Oh, you're talking probably seven. Like or, I thought you were talking seven plus. You're talking seven exactly. No, no, seven plus. That was, oh. So you're correct. Yes. Oh, correct. so that was one of them. Okay. And, yeah, and obviously, obviously, there's a bunch of guys who have done it who like aren't like LeBron James, like who are going to get in. Right. But, yeah. But Chris I mean, Bosh is eligible. Yeah, Chris Bosh is as uh, a finalist this year. Um, Wait, anyway, so the one that I didn't get. The one you would never get is Larry Faust. Uh, he yeah, played in the fifth. Eight-time All-Star, not in the Hall of Fame. And the other one um, is a seven-time All-Star. And this is the one who, if you're going to argue that LaMarcus Aldridge isn't a Hall of Famer, is probably you know, one of the better analogies that you can have is Joe Johnson. Seven-time Joe, Joe Johnson's not eligible, though. I mean, I think it's not like he's going to get in like immediately, well, right. you know, he's not. like he's not, he doesn't seem like a sure thing like the other guys do. No, I, I agree. He's not going to get in. So, but the difference between Joe Johnson is he's also a seven time all star, but he's only a one time all NBA guy. Uh, Aldridge, as I mentioned, is five time all NBA, which is kind of hard to, to argue that he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. But I, I'm open to arguments if you got any. Well, here's my question Chris Weber has been eligible for quite some time and hasn't gotten in. Only a five time all star, but all NBA first team. And by the way, it's not just the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. And Chris Webber had everything with the Fab Five. 
Is there any argument that LaMarcus Aldridge at his peak was better than Chris Webber? You, certainly he has more longevity, but you'd rather have a healthy Chris Webber on your team than a healthy LaMarcus Aldridge, right? I think you'd find very hard to find someone who would disagree with that. Yeah, so Chris Webber's not in. There's other stuff there. I mean, there was obviously a lot of controversy with the Fab Five and the timeout and losing Game 7 of the conference finals to the Lakers. Like the Gambling. He has a reputation. Right. Like, hates, you know, whatever. He, he has a reputation and Aldridge doesn't like Aldridge's reputation is quite good. I just, I have a hard time putting him in if Weber's not, but I would put Weber in and I would put Aldridge in too. Like Mitch Richmond is in the hall of fame. Marcus Aldridge was better than Mitch Richmond. Like we don't talk about this enough, but I think um, this isn't a metric, but like it's going to be something that we have to think about more as time moves on. Every free agent, every summer, there's one free agent. that's like the center of the NBA universe, right? Like, LeBron has had that role a few times. Um, Kawhi had that in a few years ago. Like, look through every summer, and there's always one star free agent that, that you know, the offseason kind of revolves around. That was Aldridge, right? Like, LaMarcus Aldridge in 2015 was the guy that a quarter of the league was, like, going to his offices and his hotel and meeting with. Like, that's not nothing. Like, this is a guy who teams looked at and thought, if we get him, that really changes the championship picture. I think right. if you get to that level, you're probably a Hall of Famer. I think maybe just the difference between him and some of those other guys in that same conversation uh, as kind of the center of the free agent market is I don't know if any teams were saying, like, if we get Aldridge, like, we're a contender. Like, I always feel like like teams wanted Aldridge to pair with someone else or to attract someone else rather than just saying, like, hey, this is our guy. And that's well, the that's only kind real... of the story of his career, right? Like, right. he gets to Portland – and, oh, we have Greg Oden, we have Brandon Roy, LaMarcus is this other dude we have, and he turns out to be the only one of the three that stays healthy, and he turns into a star, but when he does, like, his ascendancy coincides with Damian Lillard becoming a star, and Damian Lillard is better than LaMarcus Aldridge, and he's certainly more marketable, so there was a lot of animosity there, reportedly, and he leaves Portland, and there's sort of this, oh, he's going to succeed Tim Duncan, you know, we're going from one great Spurs big to the to the next, and, you know, we're going to have another 10-year dynasty. And then Kawhi ascends, too, and it's like, oh, LaMarcus, you're kind of an afterthought again. But the reverse of that is, like, think about how unlucky he is, right? Like, that Portland team was supposed to be a dynasty. It was supposed to be Odin, Roy, and Aldridge, and two of them got hurt. We forget this, but those Blazers teams with Aldridge and Lillard, they were, like, neck and neck with the Warriors for a good chunk of some of those regular seasons. Then Wes Matthews got hurt, and that ended their championship hopes. You know, like Kawhi Leonard asked out of San Antonio. That ruins his chance of winning a ring with the Spurs. Yeah. And don't don't forget, they were, you know, that infamous game that Kawhi Leonard was leading them to the beating the 2017 Warriors, and he ends up rolling his ankle. I mean, that team had a chance to, to compete for a title. I rarely say an injury is intentional. That's one of the few injuries in the history of sports I look at, and I say, like, he was trying to do that. I chose my words intentionally I'm just saying he Zaza, if you're a listener I'm sorry like Zaza you stuck your foot and by the way it wasn't like landing in the in the shooter zone like no he stuck his foot there and well, it's hard for me to have too much sympathy for the Spurs by the way because Bruce Bruce Bowen did that all the time but yeah I, mean, I, I love that That's a, I love that argument well Bruce Bruce Bowen did it so it's okay if we injured your guy and say like, wait a yeah, second yeah I'm I'm not justifying it I'm just, I'm just saying <laughs> it happened but Zaza if not intentionally, sort of like maybe subconsciously injured Kawhi, like 
that was not an accident is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, I mean, the point is that, you know, you, that was a championship caliber team that would have given the, the Warriors a run for their money, uh, which is arguably the best team of all time. So, um, you know, well, I've like, got another stat point, for you if you want it. Dude, you got stats. The 73 win Warriors 2016 did not have the best net rating that season. I'm sure you can guess who it was. Who do you think it was? Uh, Charlotte Bobcats. Were they still the Bobcats at that point? or Close. No. Is it the, is it the, the Spurs? Well, the Spurs, no yes. Plus 11.1 at 67 and 15. The Warriors win 73 games, but their net rating was plus 10.6. I don't want to say that's the best net rating of all time that the Spurs had, but it's like in the top five. It's like historically good. We never talk about the 2016 Spurs because of what happened in the playoffs. That is like one of the great regular season teams of all time. Number four on offense, number one on defense. Like it doesn't get much better than that. Just smashing people. Yep. And like how many chances did he have to be on a championship team and like something went wrong? Hell, like you want to go even further back. Like he, the, the lottery in 2006, Toronto wins it. He's close friends with Chris Bosh. They both grew up in Texas. Chris Bosh wants the Raptors to take Aldridge. And Brian Colangelo outsmarts himself and takes Andrea Bagnani. Like, imagine if the Raptors had taken Aldridge. And suddenly in 2006, you have Chris Bosh and LaMarcus Aldridge in their early 20s. Like, that's really something. That's. I mean, I'm glad you brought up Bosh and Aldridge because they're both kind of of the same breed. And that's really just kind of reflecting on Aldridge's career. That's essentially like the one of the first things I think of is how he kind of was phased out as this, uh, you know, mid-range jump shooting big man that uh, kind of came and went during his career because, you know, big men were pretty much back to the basket guys for a while. Then guys like him started stretching it out, but they only stretched out to mid-range. You know, uh, I was looking up his mid-range attempts. Uh, I'm wondering, I'm putting you on the spot all night today, but do you think you could tell me how many mid-range uh, attempts, LaMarcus Aldridge's career high in mid-range attempts per game. Okay, I'm going to try to like reverse engineer this. I would say at most he was probably taking 16, 17, 18 total shots per game. I'm going to say at his peak, probably around half or mid-range. So I'll say eight is his career high. He took 13 mid-range shots per game in 2013-14. I, I thought I was seeing things because I was looking, I was going through. was he taking? Uh, let's see, 2013-14, uh, he took field goal attempt, 20 shots a game, and 13 of them were mid-range. Like 70% of them were mid-range. It's absurd. Like I saw 11, and I was like, okay, well that's got to be his career high. Then I scrolled to the next year, and it was 13. So I mean, I guess my point is, this year I think, uh, or last year with the Spurs, he took 6.6, which is still considered you know like a ton for for a power forward. Well, yeah, I was and, gonna ask, who's the league leader this year? I haven't even looked. I'm looking but. it up now. I, I have a guess. Um, let me let me see who it is. Yeah. I, I, just, that, I mean, it's yeah, not the, point, the point I, is I like just, now big men yeah. have moved to the three-point line, and that was something that Aldridge didn't really want to do. And even in his retirement letter, he was saying thank you to the Brooklyn Nets. He said something like, like they let me be who I am and didn't try to change me. So that was something that he really – kind of took pride in and wanted to hang on to, even though everyone was telling him, shoot threes, shoot threes, shoot threes. So uh, just a really interesting case of a guy who who kind of had a skill set that we're probably not going to see very much moving forward. 
So this is concerning. The two top mid-range shooters in the NBA are on the same team. I bet you can guess the team if you give it a couple seconds of thought. Uh, well, I was going to say DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. But... Well, no, it's not the Spurs. And it's not the Nets either, but I think once you get when you don't get it when you hear it, you will be you will kick yourself. Yeah, let me let me hear it. It's the Washington Wizards. Ah, I wouldn't have guessed that. Bradley Beal and Russell and Russell Westbrook both taking five point nine a game. Combined, they're taking less than Beak Aldridge took. What are what are what is Bradley Beal shooting on mid range and what is Russell Westbrook shooting on mid range? Bradley Beal is shooting forty eight point three percent, Russell Westbrook shooting thirty seven point eight. And by the way, that Westbrook figure looks a little high to me just watching those games. <laughs> so, maybe some small sample size going on there. Yeah, that's crazy. They they need to shoot more threes. Again, we are off topic. We got to get back to Aldridge. The other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about with his legacy is he's a weird star in that at no point until literally the last five games of his career did he play for a big market team, right? He's one of the only big free agents who didn't go to a big market. He went to San Antonio, of all places. And I think we have to sort of look at that hand in hand with the underappreciation from a lot of his career. Like, look at the pick that actually that he got taken with. Chicago owned that pick. Chicago took him number two overall, and they trade that pick to Portland. What if he had just gone to Chicago? Or that pick originally was owned by the Knicks, but it went to Chicago in the Eddie Curry trade. Like, what if he had been the lone star on the Knicks for four or five years? Like, how different would his career be then? How different would his career be if he had been the lone star on the Knicks and the one recruiting guys in 2010? Like, could he have maybe convinced some guys to come join him and like build a winner in New York? I think it really just goes to show like our perception of players is so dependent on these factors that are so out of their out of their control that like we look at somebody like Aldrich, who like for a long time he was just on teams that people didn't really watch. First of all, shout out to Tyrus Thomas traded for Lamarcus Aldridge on draft day. That's the, do you remember the third player in that trade? Because I do. There was someone else in that trade. There was some other. I don't know if he ever played in the NBA. If he did, he played like 20 games. The name. This is just a deep pull by me. So congratulations, Victor Hrapa. I, I think it's it's spelled with a K, but it's That's, not. That sounds Hrapa. familiar. Yeah. He it was the rights to Victor Hrapa. 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 I don't know. There were some. I'm, I mean. Again, I don't want to get too off topic, but 2006 draft, man. Yikes. You got well, Bargnani, Aldridge, Adam Morrison, Tyrus Thomas, Sheldon Williams, Brandon Roy, Randy Ford. Well, yeah, Brandon here. Roy, I was going to say, like, that's the one that got away. Like, we'd be talking about him as the star of that class. Yeah. Then Patrick O'Brien, the Mohamed Sene, Hilton Armstrong, just the all-stars, man. The Blazers got the two best players in that draft. They got Aldridge and Roy. Has that ever happened? Isn't that crazy? Well, it depends on what you consider bad. Oh, you know, they didn't. Kyle Lowry was the best player in that class. Well, I mean, again, like if yeah. Roy never got hurt, I think we're talking about him in a different. Would different you rather have Kyle Lowry or Marcus Aldridge? I'd rather have Lowry. Well, that's a good question because it kind of goes to the underappreciation of, of Aldridge. Like if Lowry. If we're talking underappreciation, you don't get to bring that word up. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying, like if, if Lowry never wins the title. And he's he's just kind of like Kawhi never goes there. And he's kind of one of these guys who is just always a really, really good player, but never the guy on a team. I think that that title and that that game six really changed the way we perceive Kyle Lowry, because now he's a winner. He's the ultimate 
team guy. And now, you know, if he doesn't get that title, he was always the guy who just wasn't quite good enough, which is, I think, where Aldridge is going to land ultimately. Well, I think really it's more that he wasn't on the right team and eventually he got to the right team because his team traded for Kawhi. And Aldridge was on Kawhi's team and he still couldn't win. Like, a lot of that's luck, right? When, when Again, Aldridge, Kawhi got hurt that year, so. No, but when I'm pointing out 2016, he has a healthy Kawhi, but they run into Durant on the Thunder. And, you know, Durant kills them, and that's that. When Lowry has um, has Kawhi, he runs into Durant as well, but Durant gets hurt. Like, it really is. So much of this is just luck. It is. And it's what makes the Hall of Fame conversation so difficult because, uh again you look at the accolades you look at the numbers it's like okay he's in but then when you think back and like okay if this is a hall of fame like am i gonna look back in 30 years and say man i wish i could see lamarcus soldiers play again like i'm not sure if he's like we'll in never that, see but... another player like him right like, but i, I don't... miss him just because we'll never see another one right it was like there was this like seven footer who shot like four feet above his head and never bent his knees for his entire career like, I, don't, I don't know if we're Probably ever going to see best beat. You're right. <laughs> yeah, he's a but, he's a very unique, uh, talented player. And he rebounded, too, in his prime. So I think the Hall of Fame conversation just sort of comes down to maybe you disagree with the way that the Basketball Hall of Fame operates, which is that everybody gets in. But by that logic, he has to get in, right? Lamar- Lamarcus right. Aldridge is a better player than Mo Cheeks. Mo Cheeks got in. I mean, no. That's what's so hard, because once you let one of those guys in, it's like, okay, well, if you let him in, you got to let him in, you know, and it's like, it's I like mean, a, never it's a, dunk, it's a dunk contest when you give him a 10 on the first dunk. It's like, well, if that's a 10, everything's a 10. So I like the Bill Simmons pyramid idea of having a fixed number, and when new people get in, somebody gets knocked out. Good. Like, really yeah. make them earn it and say, X number of players deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, and you you have it, like, as a term, right? Like, you're not just a Hall of Famer. Like, I was a 17-year Hall of Famer. That's how long it took them to knock me off. That's funny. Well, I think that would be a cool that would be a cool way to, like, measure somebody's career, right? Like, like yeah, I'm a Hall a of Famer, but, between, yeah, but how many years? Right, like, you can be a short-term Hall of Famer, which counts for something. And it's sort of like, you know, Mike Conley is an all-star. LeBron James is an all-star. They're very different caliber of all-star. It could be the same with Hall of Fame, where, like, you have Michael Jordan, who's an eternity all-star, or an eternity Hall of Famer. Versus, you know, somebody who's in the Hall of Fame for three years. And you could, like, you could they could release their rankings every year. So you yep. know, like, who's on the bubble. So, like, like or, okay, we're going to let LaMarcus Aldridge in, but that means this guy's going to be out. Okay, two things. First, I would love to see the speeches of guys when they got knocked off. Like, can you imagine what Draymond would say when he got knocked off in, like, year four? <laughs> like the ceremonial I mean, taking down of the plaque and, like, walking out. It would out be absolutely incredible. Packing up a little banker's box get... with a fight. But the other thing it. is, what if guys got knocked off, but, like, as we learn more about basketball, we learn that they were maybe more viable than we thought, and they get back in? Would that be possible? That's not, <laughs> Could like, we not, both like the Grover Cleveland of the Hall of Fame, yes. like non-consecutive terms. Well, wait, let's guess. Who do you think the Grover Cleveland of the Hall of Fame would be? It would probably be a three-point shooter, right? Like, I'm thinking of an old-school shooter, someone from, like, the 70s or the 80s, maybe from the ABA. Like, I wrote a story on Louis Dampier, for example, as the first great three-point shooter in the history of basketball. He would have made the Hall of Fame initially as, like, one of the top whatever players, but as more and more modern guys would have gotten in, he would have gotten knocked out. But I think eventually, like, there would have been a chance, as we learned more about the three-point shot, maybe we would have said, oh, Louis was more valuable than we thought. We got to put him back in. 
Yeah. And I mean, it could be similar, you know, looking way forward as, as like a guy now who gets in because he makes a lot of threes. And then in the future, whatever the iteration of basketball is, they look back at it and they're like, well, everyone was shooting a ton of threes. He really wasn't that special for, you know, relatively compared to the rest of the players. All right, I'll just throw this out as sort of a random conversation. Aldridge might be the answer to some extent, but think about stars of the last 10 years or so. Who do you think we're going to look back on in 20, 30 years and say, wait, why did we think that guy was a star? Aldridge, like, he's not the real answer, but, like, I think there's an argument for him. And he was a star. I'm going to be clear. Like, there was a point where LaMarcus Aldridge was one of the 10, 15 best players in the NBA. But I do think we're going to devalue the shots that he took. I, I am wondering, though, more than anything, are there guys beyond Aldridge that, like, we think of as stars now or we thought of as stars five, ten years ago that will maybe look back on and say that guy wasn't a star? I mean, I hate to say this. I really don't. I'd love to say it. But the obvious answer is Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I was just looking at him. But I, I, I think that goes to— His numbers are too unassailable. And it's like, also it's big. also a question of what, like, what do you mean by star? You know what I mean? Like, this is kind of the Aldridge conversation, too, where it's like— like is a star someone who plays like analytically good basketball is a star someone who is quote unquote clutch or is a star just someone who you want to talk about like ultimately this is an entertainment league right and there's no question that Russell Westbrook is one of the most entertaining players in the league whether you like him or not are 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 analytics and statistics going to be kind to him in the future absolutely not but I think it would be hard to look back and say that you know Russell Westbrook wasn't one of you know, the top 10 most important players of his era. Well, I wanted to say Joe Johnson to bring it back to where we were earlier, but nobody thought of Joe Johnson as a star, right? Like the whole meme with Joe Johnson was he was on these 48 win Hawk teams that never did anything. And he was just the best player on a team without a star. So yeah, I don't know who it would be either. I'm sure there are going to be guys that we look back on and maybe think about less favorable. I mean, Al Jefferson is one, but I don't think Al Jefferson, that guy got buckets in the post. I miss those guys so much. Remember when that was a thing for like three or four years where the teams were getting these like back to the basket bucket getter post up centers and putting them on their second unit? Remember when Al Jefferson was second team all NBA? <laughs> like, remember when that was like re- there was a point in NBA. We did this with centers for a while. Like wasn't DeAndre Jordan first team all NBA? Yes. Like there was a real period with trouble with centers where it was just like, Al- remember the, the idea of the 20 and 10 guy? I remember Charles Barkley getting mad at centers for not getting 10 rebounds per game. Well, like that was what Al Jefferson was, right? He was, he was the 20 and 10 guy. And like Aldridge was sort of like that too. He was more diverse, obviously with the shooting, but like that was sort of the idea of like, if you were a big man, that was what your value was. It was those two stats, get you to 20 points every night, get you to 10 rebounds. Andrew Bynum, second team, all NBA 2012. I actually, Andrew Bynum was really good. Like, don't you dissuade Andrew Bynum? Bynum might. At his peak, Andrew Bynum was really good. Some of the, there were some definitely, like DeAndre making first team all NBA, I think was the worst. I don't know if, I, I've got to make sure if he actually did, but like, I think if, if that actually happened, that, and that's, that's in my head. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, I, I think I remember that in my head too. So if it didn't happen, it was. All NBA first team. Yeah, there you go. First team. Hang on. Just, I, I got to go look at who finished in second. Like who the second team players were. Second team, DeMarcus Cousins. No, I don't want to know. No, no, I don't want to know who the second team center was. I oh, want to know okay. the second team guards and forwards. oh, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Draymond Green, Demarcus Cousins. Of course, 
<laughs> yeah, Kevin Durant, famously worse than DeAndre Jordan. I can't believe that hasn't come up in their locker room at some point now that they're on the same team. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, like, what are we doing with these positions? Like, we really need to stop. It, it's so unnecessary. It, it just makes no sense at this point in basketball history to have a quote-unquote center on the team if it means you have to leave off Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, or LeBron James. I'm going to pull us back to Aldridge a little bit. Let's say five, ten years down the line. What's your enduring memory of Aldridge going to be? Like, you'll think about the mid-rangers, obviously. You'll think about the old man game. But, like, are there is there a moment? Is there, like, a story? Is there, like, what is the one thing you're going to remember from his career? I think it's, you know, other people brought this up, too. But I think it was how he was open about, you know, asking for a trade from San Antonio when things weren't working out. And how he talked with Popovich and they kind of squashed it and... Popovich has admitted that he kind of acquiesced a little bit. It was like, hey, maybe I'm not coaching you right. I'll try some different things, that sort of thing. And, you know, in the climate of trade demands and star power, it was just, I think it's it's going to be a rarity moving forward, particularly. To I'm see, I can only think of one. What's that? I can only think of one other guy who did that. Like, Kobe did it. But that was because they traded for Pau Gasol. Right. I don't know if that was necessarily a negotiation. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a really rare thing. And the irony of it is he played with Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio and Kawhi famously would not. Yeah. Then he ended up just bailing on him. So then he ended up with DeMar DeRozan. So, yeah. What about you? What's your lasting memory? I think, I think it's just going to be the general underappreciation. Like I remember Woj wrote a great story for what, for um, Yahoo in 2015 after he signed with the Spurs, just detailing what his free agency process was like. And there are all these great little nuggets about how he didn't want to be like he didn't want to be thought of as like a sidekick. Like there was one point where Woj wrote that he was really like offended by the idea that Damian Lillard had all of these Adidas billboards around Portland. Like, I think I'm always going to sort of go back to that, to this idea of it's sort of an ancient NBA language, right? This idea of a guy thinking, oh, I have to be the man. I don't want to play with other superstars. Or at least I, I'm really cognizant of the, I guess not the reputation. Like I'm really cognizant of the appearance of it. Whereas now it's just like game on. Kyrie Irving is the third best player on a team. Like it's kind of a unique older feature of the NBA where there used to just be like every team had a guy. And even if a team didn't have a guy, they made that guy the guy, right? Like for years it was like, I don't know, Jason Terry was the best player on the Hawks. So when the Hawks came to town, you advertised for Jason Terry and LaMarcus Aldridge, he was a star, obviously, a significantly better player, but he was sort of like the last vestige of like the whole I have to be the man. Not really the last vestige. There are guys like that in the modern NBA, but it's just a different feeling, right? Like after yeah. all of the team ups. And again, kind of like kind of bridging two eras. There's kind of seems to be a theme of his of his career stylistically and kind of off the court. Also, I was thinking like for a seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA. I know he was in smaller markets, but, like, we don't see a lot of LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, you don't hear commercials. Other, unless you watch a lot of Portlandia, he just randomly shows up in that sometimes. But, like, I don't even think I know what his voice sounds like. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what's the big LaMarcus Aldridge ad campaign? Has he had one? I, I mean, I'm sure he has, but I don't remember. I, nothing, it. like, big national that I remember. He might be the best player that, like, never really had a big ad campaign. Like, I mean, I'm thinking about it now, like, thinking, like, Jason Tatum has a big ad campaign. 
Was LaMarcus Aldridge better than Jason Tatum is yeah. now? They're probably on similar footing. Did he get his own Ruffles potato chip flavor named after? Wait, how many NBA guys? That's Davis, and there's one other guy, right? <laughs> Tatum has one. Oh, and Tatum does too? Okay. Yeah. Or is They're Davis probably... Pringles? Davis is one of the chips. I can't remember which tip. It can't be two separate chip companies doing the same gimmick. Come on. It's got to be the well, same one, right? They might be competing. I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me to talk about chips. This is a basketball podcast. Guys, we've got a great idea. Ruffles just did it, but we're going to do it too. Well, it's like imagine if like, well, imagine if like Geico hired Cliff Paul, quote unquote, to do commercials for him. It would be like that. Well, they, uh, who was who it? Sprint that stole the Verizon, the Can You Hear Me yeah. Now guy? See, they exactly. tried it. So this is a thing. All right. I think that's our I think that's our cue. Yeah, I think this was not a very focused podcast, but we will miss LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, obviously, this is a very sad situation. I think we managed to turn this into a slightly more joyful podcast. I mean, I had fun doing it, so I'm going to treat that as a win. Colin, pleasure as always. We will be back in the, I don't know, near future. I, I'm going to make a promise here and now. Colin, the next podcast we do is going to have a happy, at least, subject line. I don't know where the podcast is going to go, but we're going to try to make the next episode a little happier. I'm knocking on every piece of wood around me right now, and uh, I'm just letting you know that if it's another sad one, I'm not coming on. You find another guest. Okay, that's fine by me. The ne- Listen, the next one doesn't have to be with you. I'm saying the next one that we do together. Okay, there going you to go. Be happy. Yeah, all right. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Like, subscribe, review, whatever else it is you need to do to get people to listen to our podcast. That'll do it, and we will be back either later this week or next week. I can't see the future.